Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Senior Editor Mara Levinsky. Hey, everybody. So, Mara, today we are talking to Young and Restless's Joshua Morrow, whose storyline has been on fire lately. Not only was he revealed to be impersonating JT, but he just slipped back into familiar territory by sleeping with Phyllis, even though he's engaged to Sharon. Naughty. And she is with Billy. <laughs> uh, so Nick and Sharon have been one of the show's signature couples since 1994. And while they haven't always been together, they always seem to find their way back together. So let's start with the super couple discussion. Is it a burden or no? Well, I think from my conversations with writers of soap opera over the years, it never starts as a burden, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to have on their resume, I'm the one who put Steve and Kayla together. I'm, I'm the one who put Nikki and Victor together. I'm the one who put Frisco and Felicia together. But when you're not sending characters off into the sunset to live happily ever after together off camera, and you're trying to sustain storyline for such a popular pairing, not just over months or years, but decades... That's where it becomes a little bit of a burden. It becomes incredibly challenging. You know, how many makeups and breakups and makeups and breakups can you come up with for a long-running pairing? Because as we know, if they're just happy, the audience isn't going to like that either because it lacks drama. What's your take on it? Well, because I became a fan of Days in the 80s, which is arguably the most super couple rich time in the show's history, Mm -hmm. I want to see my duos together. So I guess in that respect, it becomes a burden to each new writer that comes in because they're stuck in a way with keeping those couples together if you want to keep the audience happy or people like me happy. Right. And, you know, at the same time, I think about, you know, by the time your romance has been on air on a soap opera for 20, 30 years you know, you, you might have like walked down the aisle like six, seven, or eight times. I mean, it's kind of crazy, like from the outside looking in. Absolutely. But you know, that I don't have a problem with because if I feel like these duos are destiny couples, I'm fine with them breaking up or having bumps in the road as long as they wind up back together. Like, remember when Days flirted with Justin and Hope a few years ago? Yes, I do. Big thumbs down to that. Exactly. Like, I don't think that works. But in the case of a Jack and Jennifer, with Jack being killed off and resurrected every few years. That's like his hobby. That's hilarious. Yes. Um, You know, you have to accept that Jen is going to be with different characters and try to commit to those new pairings. You know, 
a new pairing on Bold and Beautiful, for example, was Bill and Brooke. And I have to tell you, I like those two together. Um, at that point, Ron Moss had left the role of Ridge. So this was her first post-Ron pairing. And I thought that Catherine Kelly Lang and Don Diamond had such a great dynamic. And then there was an interesting story on the air with Katie woven in. But when the show recast Ridge with Torsten Kay, they started playing the Ridge Brooke Destiny duo card again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where we are now. And then in some ways you're like, oh, right, you know. Ridge and Brooke are meant to be together. <laughs> right, right. Ridge forever. Um, you know, I will say I, I have liked um, or even been like a fervent fan of the same character in in more than one pairing. Um, it doesn't happen that often, but it has happened for me. I mean, I, I remember I never thought after Sonny and Brenda, uh, who I loved so much on General Hospital, uh, went their separate ways that I would ever like Sonny with anyone else ever again. Uh, hi, me neither. <laughs> but, you know, I remember, I remember so clearly and specifically being in our old office, uh, television on my desk, Sonny and Carly had that shocking first one night stand back when Sarah Brown was in the role. And there was so much chemistry and, and also an interesting story surrounding that, uh, you know, that original coming together that all of a sudden I, I was on board. Yeah, I mean, I'll accept Sonny in a new pairing, but nothing will ever be better than Sonny and Brenda. Hey, I didn't say they were better than Sonny and Brenda. <laughs> uh, and I am sorry to the Carson fans. If Vanessa Marcel ever came back, I would put my Sonny and Brenda fan hat right back on. Well, me too. Um, but you know, what's funny about GH in a way is how successfully they've managed to pair the characters of Luke and Laura with other people, considering to anyone outside of the soap universe, they are really like the ultimate super couple. But as someone who started watching GH because of them, you know, I actually really liked him with Tracy, and I liked the Laura-Kevin dynamic. You know, I think uh, in addition to chemistry between actors, sometimes shifting actors out of established pairings and into new potential relationships, it has to be done with great care to be successful. And I'm, you know, we're talking to, to Joshua Morrow today, you know, when Nick and Phyllis, when that story began which was so linked to the, the poignant um, emotional distance between Nick and Sharon that emerged in the wake of the death of their daughter, Cassie. Like, if you had told me a year before that that I would be all about a fic pairing, I would not have believed it. But I thought that Joshua and Michelle Stafford were awesome together. I thought that story was awesome, and obviously they are still milking dramatic mileage out of it today. You know, absolutely. And I would say that when Nick and Sharon started making their way back together— I got a little excited. But, you know, this also brings up the question that we talked to Dominic Zampronia about in terms of Lulu and Dante and were they too happy? Does a happy couple equal a boring couple? I mean, I don't know. You would think that there have to be people out there who are in maybe they're in happy relationships and they want to see that mirrored in screen or maybe on screen or maybe they're in unhappy relationships and they want to see a happy relationship as sort of something to just hold on to or aspire to right. or just to make them feel good about romance. So it's a very interesting thing, I think, only really in daytime because it's so ongoing and you really do have to find, you know, ways in and out of these romances or relationships and find highs and lows that they really aren't allowed to be happy for too long. Yeah, I think uh, that shows sometimes try to be so fireworks-driven in terms of the big shocking things that happen or the big shakeups that what's lost is how enjoyable it can really be to watch the in-between times with couples, to play those moments out. And to Dominic's point, um, you know, he and I had actually spoken about how 
when Dante was like cheating on Lulu or cheated on Lulu with with Valerie, it wasn't done with the greatest finesse, I think it is fair to say. Mm-hmm. I think that even a cheating storyline or an emotional cheating story could have been very interesting to tell with Dante and Lulu, but I think the one that was told felt very out of the blue and out of character, and that's where you're going to lose the willingness of the audience to maybe go along for a bump in the road. Mm-hmm. Well, to your point about the Nick and Phyllis story, that was an infidelity story, and yet... It played really well, Mm -hmm. and obviously, you know, here we are, again, sort of telling that same story or a similar story with these two, and yet we have the other side of this. You know, what does this mean for Sharon and Nick? Yeah, and I have to agree with you. When Sharon and Nick started to win their way back together, you know, you kind of feel like this is how it's meant to be. So I will be very interested to see what Joshua has to say. Well, let's get him on the phone and see what he thinks. Hi, Joshua. Hey, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? You're here with Stephanie Sloan and Mara Levinsky. Hello. Yes, ladies. Uh, everything is going well. How's your day? Going pretty well. Absolutely. My goodness, Nick has been up to a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, The writers uh, bestowed a pretty uh, healthy amount of story on me right now, so I'm uh, very happy. It's been uh, probably the, the story that I've been most excited to tell since in like forever. So I'm I'm very, very, very happy to come to work right now. Well, let's start with that JT reveal. Uh, when did you find out and what was your reaction? Um, Mal had told me, um, boy, I don't know. I'm going to say six months earlier uh, that that's what they were going to be doing. And at first I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he told me it was coming, and and uh, you know I was really looking forward to telling a, a story of that would affect so many people. And they, uh, when he told me, he sat me down. He told me, you know, what the what the big giant plan was, and I couldn't believe it at first. And I just wasn't sure how it was going to play out. Like I was like, how am I supposed to pretend to be JT? Like it didn't make much sense to me. And what they were telling me initially, I was just like, I don't know how we can afford to do that. I don't know how we can you know, sell it, make it happen, you know, without it seeming, you know, ridiculous. But um, the way it unfolded, I thought was just incredibly clever. And my hat's off to the writers on that one, because um, the crew worked very hard with the reveal. Uh, You know, they had the mask made and with uh, CGI and stuff. And it was just an incredibly exciting way to kind of tell the story that we've been leading up to. So I was, uh, you know, like I said, really, really happy to do it. Can you tell us a little bit more about off camera, like what went into pulling that off? Because it's obviously not, you know, your everyday thing that you do on the show. Yeah. um, The first thing I had to do was I had had to go and get fitted for a, a mask that they had ordered. You know, they went through a couple of different options and, you know, they had to get get it signed off on by the producers and Mal and everyone on the network. And then um, once that happened, um, I at that point, I didn't know that they were going to be bringing Thad back to uh, pretend to be himself, if you will. <laughs> um, that sounds weird to say, but um, you know, at that point, I still thought, I was like, oh my God, they're going to put like a this weird mask on me and I'm going to be running around pretending to be JT, but I actually didn't do any of that because um, Thad did it all. So it worked out you know, pretty good. Um, and then after that, it was just a matter of meeting with the CGI people and, and going through all the elements that were involved as far as, you know, your movements. I mean, everything mattered down to like the inch, like you needed to, 
uh, be this exact same height. And, and that's at least an inch taller than me. And so, you know, I had to, I put in some like lifts and then still that wasn't enough. So if I had to like crouch down and, you know, get to the, you know, my height and I had to turn my head at the exact angle that he did. And I mean, it was a very technical process. I've never done anything like it, but, um, the guys in charge of it clearly knew what they were doing. And when Mal showed me the finished product shortly after, I honestly could not believe the way it turns out. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It looks exactly like mission impossible and that we did it in daytime. is just, it makes me very proud of, of, you know, the work we did and the talent that those people possess because it will blow your mind the way it looks. Well, I want to know, since you thought that you were going to be actually impersonating Thad, had you, had you been like honing a Thad Luckabill impression that you then never had the opportunity to take advantage of? Well, what's interesting is, you know, uh, Thad and I grew up about an hour uh, away from each other in Oklahoma, um, which not many people know. And we, you know, he's one of my closest friends on this show and we've, you know, we've done a lot of things together and he's been to my wedding and my bachelor parties and I mean, it was, it was, you know, bachelor parties. Oh, sorry. Just one. It's just the one. Yeah. It felt like a couple. (laughs) We're not allowed to talk about that. Um, but, um, and you know, we, our deep love for the Sooners that we have, uh, you know, works well. So I didn't have to feel like I was, uh, you know, um, impersonating him too much because initially, like I said, I thought I was going to be running around pretending to be him in a mask, but he did all of it. And the show did a great job of hiding it. Nobody even knew he was, you know, here and he was, you know, doing all this thing. And it was, it was pretty awesome. Now, obviously Victor's played a large role in this story and your scenes with Eric Braden throughout this entire arc have been truly phenomenal. Tell us about your working relationship with him over the years and in this storyline specifically. Well, Eric and I are extremely close. I mean, he is like another dad to me, and we have a very deep respect for each other. And it's hard because, you know, like my relationship with my dad is always extremely special to me. And, you know, he still lives in Oklahoma. And, you know, some of the things in the way I treat Eric really bother me. Like, it's it's hard for me to justify a lot of what, you know, the way I treat him. Now, granted, you know, Victor doesn't make it easy because he's a bit of a tyrant and a bully and, you know, kind of treats everyone like they're all in his own little, you know, personal game. But it still just really bothers me. I have such a deep respect for Eric and for older people in general. And, um, you know, we, (laughs) Eric and I always laugh. We don't, we don't want to hate each other, but that's kind of the way it is. I mean, you know, Nick is a very kind of almost overly righteous, uh, driven dude, um, who is just unwilling to listen to what his dad has to say or to be molded in, in any way other than what he wants. And, you know, Victor doesn't seem to want to allow Nick to be his own man and and to kind of do his own thing. And, you know, uh, they just never seem to agree. So, um, personally it's hard for us because we, you know, we, we would like it if we could get along more, but it's it works. I can't, I can't deny that it works. I mean, the the fans uh, seem, seem to like it, and conflict always plays. And the scenes lately have just been awesome. I mean, I love the way they're they're written, and it's really given me more to play than I've had, frankly, in years. So um, 
any scenes I have with Eric are ones that I really cannot wait to tell because um, he is an absolute legend. I mean, we throw that word around a lot, but my respect for him knows no bounds. He's a he's a true actor and cares so much about this job and his character and everything else. So the fact that I get to share a stage with him um, is you know is a great accomplishment to me because they they really trust me with working opposite him, which I you know really relish. And it looks like with this story, Nick is embracing his Victor side a little. Um, what do you think about that? It's awesome. You know, I, you know, I've, I've been waiting for this for years. I mean, they, uh, you know, it got kind of into a stretch where, you know, they were like, Oh, well he can't, that's just not who he is. And you know, that's all Nick ever says. But I've always thought one of the coolest elements to their relationship was that Nick was so much more like him than he ever wanted to admit. And that was the constant pull and struggle that he had with Victor. But, you know, the show really got away from that for almost a 15-year period, you know. And then when, when Adam got here, that was kind of the, you know, the, the avenue for, you know, telling this kind of next generation of of character. But I'm, I could never be anything close to, I think, what Victor was. I just don't think the characters um, are are grounded in that way. But the, they're starting to show certain elements towards that. I think are very exciting. And as an actor, man, I'm I'm just relishing it. I've been waiting, waiting, waiting so long for an opportunity to, to do something like this. Um, you know, Nick is, he's a great dude. And I, and I, you know, if we, if he was real, we'd be really good buds. Um, <laughs> but I really, I like it that the writers now have the confidence, I guess, in me of being able to pull off, uh, a story of this magnitude. And I guess that's kind of what it boils down to. Um, you know, I, it's got such potential. I mean, this, this, uh, the pull of essentially of the dark side without sounding too much like star Wars is a cool element to show in, in film or TV or in cinema. So, um, I cannot wait. I I'm so happy. It's the happiest I've been on the show in a long time. And, uh, it's been, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I cannot wait for the audience to see it either. I, I really like what the show's done and that they've uh, given me this chance. Now, have you and Eric talked about this new phase of conflict between your characters? Um, not, not in the sense that it's like a new, uh, a new element to their relationship. I think it's 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 now crossed a, a much bigger line. It used to just be about. Uh, you know, Nick always just wanting to be himself. Well, now there's, there's some, there's something else involved here. This, you know, Victor tried to take his son and Nick is trying to ruin his life. Things are getting much more serious. Um, if I thought their relationship could be repaired before, I mean, good grief. What's that mean now? Things are, uh, looking pretty bad for them right now. So, you know, again, I think Eric and I just kind of, you know, we kind of, after every take where we literally, Nick looks like he wants to kill him and Victor looks like he wants to strangle him. And then I always just pull my arms up and, and like a mock hug and say, I love you, dad. It's like our own inside joke to each other. And he, he always just shakes his head and, you know, he's, we, we're, we, we wish we could be closer, but we get what the show is doing, and, and I can't deny that it's working. Could you ever see a point of no return for Nick and Victor? Well, I would have thought it certainly would have been when Victor tried to take his son, but Nick, 
you know, got him back. Um, so uh, I think that um, assuming that Nick's, you know, grand goal of destroying Victor Newman <laughs> doesn't completely come to fruition, then um, I do think there's a way for them to to salvage something, you know, um, father-son relationships can be tricky. I mean, I deal with that with my own son. He's, you know, he's going to be 16 soon and he thinks he knows everything and he thinks he doesn't need you at at a certain point. And all you see is, uh, you know, this young person who you're still trying to mold and, you know, make into what you perceive, I guess, as to what he should be or where he should be. Um, but you know, it's funny because I'm dealing with this right now in my real life that, uh, you know, I want him to, to be a certain thing and, you know, maybe that's not what he is or maybe that's not what he's cut out to be. And, you know, his mother's always telling me, you know, lighten up on him. And I'm like, it's hard. It's really, it's really difficult. And I, you know, I never really experienced that because all I ever had was little kids. Well, now I've got a kid burgeoning on being a young man. So it's, you know, it's a it's a very interesting uh, relationship, the father son, as they get old and want to be their own man and and think they know more. So um, we'll see what the future holds for Nick and, and Victor. But my hope for Joshua and Cooper is it turns out. I'm sure it will. Well, my goodness, after 22 years as you know on screen as Victor Newman's son, you've certainly seen some examples of what not to do, right? 24 years? Am I doing the math wrong? Yeah, it's over 24 years now. Amazing. Um yeah, um sorry, what was the uh, what what did you say? Yeah. I was just I was just saying you've seen a lot of examples. I was just going over your math of... in my head. I totally checked out <laughs> on the actual No, yeah, I was <laughs> just saying you've seen you've had plenty of years of storyline of like bad parenting examples being a uh, the son yes. of uh, Victor Newman on The Young and the Restless. For um, sure. <laughs> now, I want to talk about Nick's love life and sure. all that is going on there. So, Nick and Sharon Got back together, much to the delight of many fans. It was it was awfully quickly after uh, things with Chelsea went south. I, I couldn't help but notice. Did you see the characters getting back together as an inevitability? Um. Yeah. I. I you know. Listen. We we all know that uh, you know Nick and Sharon will always find a way to uh, to work their ways back towards each other. I mean, it's uh, it's a story they've told before with Victor and Nikki. Um, it never doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's always like, Oh, and it's a, you know, a cute story and the fans love it. And, uh, you know, obviously working with Sharon is always an, ex- like an unbelievable, um, experience. Cause she's like one of the best actresses I've ever seen in my life. And to relive that history and, you know, to touch onto those, you know, those moments that Nick and Sharon have had in the past is always special. So, um, I thought it was extremely quick after, Chelsea and uh, and and Nick kind of broke up, if you will. I mean, she left, so it's not not a broke up breakup. Um, Look at you trying to but, make it seem mutual. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Um, so it, you know, I I, I, mean, I mean, I knew it was coming. You know, the, the pacing of it is 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 not up to me. So, um, but it's it, I always look forward to doing it. You know, I mean, it's a it's a great opportunity to get to work again with Sharon Case. And like I said, the fans love it. So, um, it, 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 you know, it, this, this time around, and I don't know how many different times this is, it's a little different because, you know, it's not necessarily 
grounded in the you know the, the kind of the build up to this the relationship that kind of just they kind of fell into each other's arms after you know Sharon lost Dylan and, and Nick lost Chelsea so uh, you know it's you can bet that it probably won't last forever but it'll be beautiful while it does you know <laughs> that's what that's what the soap does so um, you know it who knows uh, I don't know what where it's going you know frankly in this one I didn't really ask to know but uh, we'll see uh, we're going to do our damnedest to tell a, a great and beautiful story and all the Schick fans hopefully will you know love it and be satisfied sure they will um, well let's <laughs> talk about the Fick fans for a moment because Nick and Phyllis <laughs> hello <laughs> did you see that twist coming I did not uh, I feel like I've seen I can predict a lot of things I did not see that at all well, once you they know, were playing it, video games, you know, <laughs> you yeah, know where that's you get leading. out those controllers, man, and it's like putting on some Sade and some red wine. I mean, you know, things are about to get down. Um, no, it's you know, I, I think Nick and Phyllis always have this really incredible relationship where, you know, Phyllis saved Nick's life. I mean, he was going down a really dark path, and she brought him back to you know to life essentially. And there's always some untold story and history between them. Um, I mean, they're like electricity when they're around each other, you know, uh, it obviously started with Michelle Stafford and is now played beautifully by Gina. So when they told me, I was like, wait, what? I mean, I just, I'm just getting married to, <laughs> to Sharon and, and whatever. But I think it all kind of goes hand in hand with what's going on with Nick. I mean, he's, he's on a mission and I don't think he's, you know, really even thinking super clearly about anything at this point other than, uh, you know, crushing his dad. Um, so, um, he gets into a bit of a fight with Sharon and, uh, assumes that Sharon's moving on because she leaves the ring and journeys over to Phyllis's house to play some video games and they have a couple of drinks and, one thing Phyllis and Nick always love to do is take their clothes off and play with each other. So, <laughs> so they decide to do it. <laughs> all right. So this is very like in the Friends-esque scheme of it all. They were on a break. Is is that how Nick's justifying this to himself uh, after seeing the ring left behind? Without, I think, ever actually uttering that phrase, that is what I'm going to, is they were on a break. Nick <laughs> assumed that it was over. Phyllis and Billy were uh, in a fight as well considering what these two characters have done for each other and to each other in the past, it sure made a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, there's always a very flirty vibe between them. That's kind of simmering and, and, you know, they got caught up and, you know, decided to, you know, have some sex in the kitchen. Who doesn't want to do that once in a while? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, everyone. Search us. Yeah. Yeah. I want to have sex in the kitchen right now. <laughs> if you need to go, we understand. <laughs> well, my wife's not at home, so I gotta, I'm going to have to wait. Wait for Toby. Um, so, you know, Nick, Nick really manages to come out of all of these situations looking like a good guy. What do you think it is about this character that makes him so rootable for the audience? You know, I've always wondered that because... It is a it's it is an interesting thing because I truly don't know. Nick has done some really terrible things and seems to quite often come out of it looking like roses. And I don't know if that's you know the the fans' uh, deep rooted passion for this. You know, he, he's kind of this heroic kind of big hearted guy. And uh, I don't know. It, it, they they the fans seem to forgive him really quickly. I do think some of it is due to my 
the way I, my good natured delivery a lot of times. <laughs> oh, for sure, mm-hmm. that's what I you would know, have said. But you know, but I I truly don't know. It is, uh, I, and I, I get a lot of grief from other castmates <laughs> because <laughs> I can do some pretty rough stuff, and uh, I don't seem to get held accountable for a lot of things. But uh, I don't know. It could be. I don't know. Maybe they're just waiting for me to take my shirt off. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have one friend who definitely is. So. <laughs> well, they keep doing that, and I keep going, guys, I'm 44. I'm not 24 anymore. <laughs> well, that's what you get for being in such good shape. Exactly. Well, it's your own you fault. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like it anymore, but I'll, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, the second they they ask you to stop taking your shirt off, I think you're probably going to cry. <laughs> that may be. That may be. That's when you know. Then things have really changed. You might be right on that. It's like uh, you know, I guess that might be a, a pretty good sign. So you said, Joshua, that the Nick and Phyllis twist did shock you, and you hadn't like asked about what was coming up. Are you the kind of actor who tends to kind of want to know where a story is going, and you do ask, or are you just like, oh, I'll get my script and find out? No, I never have asked before. Um, Mal is, uh, he's a unique producer. He wants you to know it beforehand. Uh, so he's very forthcoming about any of it. I mean, you don't even really have to go ask him. He just, he likes to be, you know, kind of think of this as kind of a collaborative, um, you know, thing between us. But I've never gone to ask, and I never will, frankly. You know, we we all, as actors, we all very protective over our characters and want them to do things that make sense to us and things that are interesting to play and things of that nature. But, um, you know, I, I I feel like if I know stuff, it might color the performance in some way that, you know, I don't want to lead anyone on. So I, I don't know. I, I who knows? I mean, everybody's got their own thing, but for me, it, it it's not something I search out for. But again, Mal's very—he loves talking to us and and you know talks to us and tells us what's going on. And it's a very uh, it's a very unique uh, experience. Uh, let's just call it that. And I think I have friends on other shows who might be a little jealous of that attitude. Yeah, uh, I well, like I said, I mean, I, I don't know how many executive producers and writers I've had, but uh, not none of them have like searched you out to tell you what's happening. You know, I think it's, uh, it's always been kind of an unsung, like an unspoken rule, I guess, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of, everybody's got different ways they work. And, uh, I think most of it, you know, Miles like a kid in a candy store. He just loves, uh, you know, talking about the story and where we're going. And he's, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of, good ideas and he's excited about the show and you know that you can feel it you can feel it it's it's palpable to him he really is excited about what he's doing it definitely shows now i love your scenes with faith and with christian and you've been working with children for so many years on the show is that something you've enjoyed i love it i mean with all due respect to my uh my grown-up uh peers um my favorite people on the show are my my children i mean i literally love them like they're my own kids. I mean, there's not anything I wouldn't do for Cammy or Hunter or Allie or Robbie or any of the other ones. I mean, I just, I mean, I, I love kids and, uh, I think it, it shows and it's not something that I have to force. I just, I love children. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be a teacher growing up just cause I love being around kids and I wanted to coach and, and, you know, I love teasing them and, and, you know, watching them, grow and you're so proud of them. I mean, that's kind of my 
always, I'm just always so proud of them. I mean, they're thrust into this environment that's very serious and uh, and stressful because we have to move so fast now. And and uh, I get to watch these kids get handed these really really involved scenes. I mean, really mature scenes, and they handle them with with like professional grace that 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 you're amazed that adults could have and they're just they're just kids you know they're just kids they're so anyway i mean i just that was a long-winded story but i just i love i love the kids who play my children on the show and i love them like they're my children well speaking of your own children and your own home front you have three sons and a little girl and i'm curious now that you've had a couple years of experience under your belt how is raising a daughter different for you than raising her brothers Sons are little cavemen. Like, they're, and I say this without trying to sound, uh, I guess, sexist, but they're, if you just put a hat on their heads backwards and feed them, like, and play play ball with them, they're, they're so happy. Like, they're just, they're, they're like, they're like, golden retrievers they're always just like oh you know i got food and i got uh, something to entertain me and you know what are we doing now it's everything's fun whereas my daughter is it's it's like handling 50 kids all in one like she's she involves so much more of a um a mental game parenting wise um every, the the swings are or, you know, aggressive. I mean, she can go from the happiest kid in the world to the, the poutiest one you've ever seen. And it's all a, a delicate balance. And, you know, because, you know, if one of your sons isn't happy, they're just kind of like, you know, creep away and go to ride their bike. But if my daughter's not happy, <laughs> the whole house feels it. Um, so she's just, she's just, her personality is like through the roof, both positively and negatively. Like she's just, I, just requires so much more parenting, uh, it seems, but in obviously a good way. I mean, it's just she keeps you on your toes. Um, she's frankly like whip smart. I mean, you know, so much more uh, advanced than my sons ever were, uh, as far as like their development and 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 their 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 vocabulary. I mean, everything. She's just everything came at a faster pace for her. Um, but she's, like I said, I mean, she's, she's the most amazing thing in the world to me. Like there's an, I, it's such a hard balance between like, I, I want to do everything for her and help her. And it's like dang near impossible for me to say no to her. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, I come home from work and the first thing it does is she sprints into my arms and she's like vibrating. She's so happy to see. I'm getting tears in my eyes. Think about it. We're getting, we're getting tears. Like she's she's vibrating, like shaking. She's so happy to see me. And I've been gone for like three and a half hours, you know. And it's every day. My boys, you walk in, they're like, "What's up? You know, hey, I'm hungry," you know. But she, she's. It's like every day. It's like the most amazing thing that she that you came home, you know. And it's just. Uh, I don't know. I, she she drives me absolutely crazy, both uh, positively and negatively. I mean, it's just uh, I just I'm crazy about her. I never thought I'd be this crazy about uh, about someone, but she's just she's everything to me. Oh, as everybody spoons exactly to this exactly. <laughs> she's uh, man. She's something else. Let me tell you. I mean, uh, she's uh, 
and she's uh, very smart. She manipulates her big brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're all in trouble. <laughs> oh, my God, we're so in trouble. I mean, that's, and you've got, uh, you know, I don't want to be the boy that wants to date this girl. I mean, she's got three <laughs> boys uh, that are baseball players and are very adept at swinging bats. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't, I do not envy the dude that shows up to my porch asking to take out little cha-cha. I mean, I, that is not going to be a, a experience for him. <laughs> now we were talking earlier, Steph and myself about how we haven't seen you at the Emmys for quite a while. It seems like Maybe we have this wrong, but it doesn't seem like you seem to like really care about getting those accolades or getting nominations or, or kudos, even though I think they are richly deserved, I would say, as a side note. Ditto. But is that a, a correct impression that we have? Um, well, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just not really my thing. Uh, I've kind of taken my name out of the uh, conversation for, you know, the last 15 years, and it just it, – it, you know, I, I everyone kind of has their own thing in life, you know. But it's just it it's not important to me, um, and uh, I I don't. Um, it's by no means a like I'm going to stand on my soapbox and you know proclaim to the world that it's it's just it just doesn't it doesn't matter to me. And uh, I would rather, uh, frankly, just stay home <laughs> <laughs> and be manipulated uh, but, by your daughter. <laughs> yes, um, you know. I mean, normally we're you know I, I don't know. I, it's just. It's just not important to me, and uh, you know. But like I said, I, all the all my incredible castmates who have won them and are so richly deserving of those honors, I'm very proud of them and for them. Um, uh, but it just for me, it just it doesn't matter to me. Now let's go back to 1994, Josh. Could he ever have seen himself still on the show in 2018? No way. Um, <laughs> I remember when I got the job, I w- I just couldn't believe that they wanted this dude who grew up in a lake in Oklahoma to do this. But, um, if you would have told me I've been doing it 24 years later and I just never would have guessed it. I kind of was always wandering around here going, when are they going to figure it out that I've been fooling them for so long? (laughs) But it's been, uh, it's been an incredible ride. Um, and, uh, I'm very excited about, you know, the prospects and I, I hope the show, you know, goes on forever and ever and ever and ever you know it's been i don't know how long i'll do it but i know that uh we work very hard uh you know to tell stories that people are still interested in and and uh you know i'm very proud of what we do very very proud of this show well it is a really great time to be a joshua morrow fan uh which we both are so we really appreciate uh getting to chat with you about all of this exciting uh developments in uh casa nick newman well, thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it, I want to thank you guys, you know, it's, it's people like you who, you know, keep interest generating for us and, 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 you know, you're, you're always such fans and you're always so professional and it means a lot to us that you guys care about us as people as well. So, um, you know, it's, this, it's all a giant team. The way I see it is we're all on one big team of keeping this medium alive and well and, and, you know, interesting and relevant. And, uh, you know, it's all part of it. Well, thank you. We feel the same way. Now go home to your daughter. 
Yeah, well, she's. I actually got to pick her up at beach camp, which will be a really interesting experience because you know she's always so happy when she goes, and then at the end of the day, she's very tired, and the first thing she'll tell you is, you know, all the wrongs that people did to her with maybe she didn't get the right chicken nuggets or any. This is a girl after my own heart. I got to talk her off the ledge, and then promise her ice cream later, and then you know give her a bunch of snuggles, and then uh, she's good to go. Uh, That sounds delightful. Oh goodness! (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today, Josh. Hope to talk to you soon. Oh, my pleasure. Let's do it again someday. Definitely. Have a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Joshua for joining us. Be sure to pick up a new issue of Soap Opera Digest on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.